Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Dainley. Uh, was not pretty, but the Indianapolis Colts managed to come away with a victory in week 17, 28-14 over the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Colts are now the seven seed in the AFC for the for the playoffs. Um, boy, what to say about this game? What to say about uh, the continuation of shitty play, quite honestly, in the second half on both sides of the ball? And we're not just talking play here. We're just cutting right to it today. We're not doing the introductions or anything like that just to kind of sweeten this uh, podcast up. But, you know, th- this is a hard game to be happy about, aside from the fact that it definitely put the Colts in the playoffs. And this is kind of what we're used to seeing lately. I mean, the Colts have been just excellent in the first half of games, putting up points on first drive. In fact, they have the, the uh, according to yesterday on the broadcast, they have the most first drive touchdowns in the NFL this year. You cannot say enough about Frank Reich's scripted plays at the beginning of the game, and even into the second possession a lot of times. Colts go up in this one just like they normally do, 10-0, 7-0, whatever the case may be, but they go up 10-0 in this one in the first quarter. Looks like the Colts at least are kind of controlling this game. And then we get into the second half, and it's the same shit. It's the same always. It, It always is. We're playing off coverage. We're no longer being aggressive defensively. Off offensively, the Colts look like crap. They're three and out, three and out, whatever, four plays here and there. And the Colts simply just don't look good. They just do not look uh, polished on offense. And there's, you know, this week, at least, there really wasn't a, you know, they took the ball away from Taylor, so to speak, type of thing. But this week, they just could not put it together. I mean, the it's a big game. I mean, then you have the Titans nearly getting beat by the Texans. You know, that could have been the Colts could have won the division with shitty play, honestly, in the second half over the past several weeks. And it just isn't the past several weeks. I, I went back and looked a little bit closer because it felt like it had only been like a recent trend, right? Well, it turns out it, it's a season trend. This is the entire season. Um, the Colts have scored 13. Let me double check my numbers here. 13 second half touchdowns all season long. That's less than one per game, in case you don't recall, 16 games. And it's not just the second half, but the third quarter for some reason is especially just god awful. 
four total touchdowns in the third quarter for the Indianapolis Colts throughout the season. There's so much talk about the double dip and, you know, getting the last score of the first half, getting the ball in the second half, putting points on the board. The Colts will put a a field goal up uh, occasionally in the third quarter and very occasionally a touchdown, it looks like, four times all year. Um, but the double dip is just really just not even in existence this year. We, we, we're seeing that there, there's really no such thing as a double dip for the Colts. They come out lax. They don't score in the third quarter in this one at all. They don't score until the big, you know, uh, Jonathan Taylor basically puts this team on his back and puts the, uh, puts the ball in the end zone on a run. And, and this just can't continue to happen for the Colts because they're just not going to win games. They're going to get their asses handed to them in the playoffs by Buffalo, by anybody else. If they can't put points on the board in the third quarter, more specifically, there's so much talk. You guys hear this year in and year out. Third quarter is the most important part of a football game. If you want to put it that way, sure, that's great. Uh, I tend to believe there there's some credence to that because the simple fact that you can take momentum into the half into the half and when you come out, if that other team has made the correct adjustments, they're gonna mop your ass up. And that's almost what happened from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not kidding you. If you listen to the game, they actually said, Look at the Jaguars with a hot Mike Glennon. I mean, are you shitting me? A hot Mike Glennon? Come on, there has to be something done here. I, and look, I, and I'm not, I'm not doing the I hate this coach because there are so many stupid, stupid comments about that, whether it be on social media or just whatever. Frank Reich is a good coach. This dude has some real. He has some adjustments he needs to make to his play calling. He has some adjustments that he needs to force onto Matt Eberflus in the second half because they cannot come out and play basically, we're just going to let you, I mean, and it's bend. Like, we're talking like taking a straw and bending it because that's, I mean, you can't break it, but you can bend the hell out of that thing and crease it up really, really good for a long amount of time. Eventually, that thing's just going to fall apart. And that's what this Colts defense looks like in the second half every time because they're, you know, where they're aggressive and they're in their face in the first half and doing all the things that built them that lead. Week in and week out, building a lead. Just to piss it away in the second half because, okay, we're going to come off a little bit. We don't want to give up big plays. Well, look, you're going to give up big plays if you're going to give up big plays. It's not going to be because you're aggressive up front. It's not going to be because you're aggressive and more inside of a five-yard cushion with your corners. You've got to maintain your same level of play through four quarters. And if you're changing your game plan, associating to the score – That's what happens to the Colts. You're up big last week. You piss it away. If the Colts won last week, they'd have been uh, primary, or at least for the moment, in the three seed. Okay? And they just pissed it away. The Colts this week were uh, almost able to win the division simply because the Texans weren't going to give up. And the Texans are straight trash. So right now, I've got to believe that the rest of the AFC that's in the playoffs, they are not scared of the AFC South. Yes, you see Derrick Henry just kicking ass week in and week out, but that's that's their weapon. 
They've got some other help. Don't get me wrong. They've got some. They've got some weapons. But if you take Derrick Henry out of that game, the Tennessee Titans are not the same team. Not even close. It's not even remotely recognizable. What is it with the Colts? It's not that if you take the certain player out of the game because look, the Colts have T.Y. Hilton. The Colts have a, a lot of really good supplementary pieces in terms of skill position. Michael Pittman's good. You love what Pascal brings to the game. Uh, you've got Hines. You've got Taylor. You've got some good pieces. You, you're kind of we're kind of lax in, in the tight end area, I think, a little bit, um, and I'd say probably a little more than a little bit. That that needs to become a weapon for the Colts this offseason. Um, but in, in general, there's not really one thing you take away. It's the coaching staff that is taking the momentum away from their own team. Th- this, I mean, we'll go through this a little bit clearer, but can somebody tell me why in the hell Jacoby Brissett is in there on a third and whatever it was, like six? And they run a damn read option with him. Come on. There's no need for that. That's so stupid. That is so dumb. That doesn't do anything. Jacoby Brissett is not a threat to anybody other than on a third and one pushing himself forward. Be realistic. Stop trying to make him happy. Stop trying to be cute and stop trying to be smarter than everybody else in the room. Just run your damn offense. And that's the problem right now because you put Jacoby Brissett in there on third and five for a read option. What is that team doing? They are hunting. They know he can't throw the damn ball. That's why he's not quarterback right now. I mean, he's got a cannon, but he's not accurate. He he missed. They, they did this earlier in the year and uh, a few weeks ago, and I think it might have been against the Texans. I'm pretty sure it was, actually, uh, the home game against the Texans. And they rolled Jacoby out. T.Y. Hilton standing at the one-yard line with guys within four or five yards of him, but he's open. Missed him completely, like didn't even come close to hitting him. And he was standing virtually still. He's not a passer. He was a terrible passer last year. He's not good. Keep him the hell off of the field unless he's coming in to push the pile, period. That's where they get stupid. That's a problem. And you mix that with completely taking the air out of the team, taking the energy off of the field, your your team's, like not pumped up anymore. Your fans aren't pumped up anymore. You've lost all the energy that you created in the first half. And the Colts damn near lost it yesterday. Without that touchdown from Taylor at the end of the game, the Colts are on the fence. I mean, they're up six points, six on the worst team in football because they can't do anything in the third quarter and the coaching staff is changing their game plan according to the score. You can't do that. Run your team. Run it the way you've run it all year in the first half, especially in the third quarter. Why are you panicking and changing everything in the third quarter? You make adjustments. You don't change the entire damn scheme. I I don't understand what to do. Look, I'm not trying to uh, uh, appear as though I'm smarter than NFL coaching staffs, but Jesus, this isn't freaking rocket science here. I don't know what's going on with them, but they got to get it together because the Colts are going to get the shit knocked out of them in Buffalo this coming weekend if they don't. But that's a lot of bitching for a team that just got themselves into the playoffs with a 28-14 to win. So let's talk about the good. The good was you didn't have to put Phillip Rivers over 30 attempts. 
At one point, he had under 100 passing yards because they simply didn't need it. Why? Because Jonathan Taylor was just a wrecking ball yesterday, just an absolute stud, and we're seeing so much growth with him. It is so exciting to see that from him, and I continually go back to this because it just makes me so excited to what next year's backfield could look like with him and Marlon Mack. You're seeing him now getting these big runs. He averaged eight. 0.4 0.4 yards a carry yesterday. Just impressive all the way around. Vision, uh, patience, speed, ability to burst through the hole when, and get past the second level of the opposing defense. I mean, all of it. Everything you want to see, power. Everything you want to see from a running back in the NFL, he's got it. He's got it. And it, it just is impressive and fun to watch. And you know that, that that the Colts really now have something special in Jonathan Taylor. And you bring him back, and you bring or Mar- or Marlon Mack back, if he's healthy enough to play next year, really hopeful that he's not a completely different player with his injury. Uh, but you've got Naheem Hines, who had some nice runs yesterday, had a 20-yard run even. And, and it just feels like things are really going the way the Colts really want to do it. I mean, God, can you imagine Chuck Pagano had a running back like this or a tandem like he and uh, Marlon Mack for a year? God, they would never pass the ball, even with Andrew Luck. I mean, they ran the ball all the time, and they sucked. They were terrible at running the ball. Jonathan Taylor is bringing this Colts team around to being uh, a multidimensional offense when they've got their shit together. Um Hines was good out of the backfield as well. Pascal caught a couple balls yesterday. Uh, I really expected T.Y. Hilton to become a, you know, just just somebody to light up this Jags defense, but they did a pretty good job shutting him down for the most part. He got that touchdown on the uh, first drive of the game. First drive of the game? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Second drive of the game. And then um, he only had two more catches the rest of the, ga- the game. He had seven total uh, targets. One of them was a DPI um, that took the Colts down the field. But outside of that, you really just don't have a lot. Um, again, look at the tight ends on here. Jack Doyle, three attempts, or three targets, I mean, three receptions. That's it. Huh. That's, that's strange to me. I didn't recognize, I didn't realize that in the time, but you know, 27 attempts, you just don't really spread the ball around, but you would think that there'd be not just more attempts possibly for Doyle, but you know, Burton, Mo Cox, nothing, not even a single, I mean, okay. Um, good defense. I thought from a, a couple guys in particular, Darius Leonard was good. Kenny Moore was good. I really like what Tavon Wilson has brought to this uh, secondary when he comes in, he's done a pretty good job. Um, we don't talk about him hardly at all, but he's done well. TJ Carey played really well yesterday, I thought. Had a couple of bad plays, but overall was a good, good uh, corner. I mean, he is just head and shoulders above what Rocky Sin should be or is. And Rocky Sin should be d- doubling uh, TJ Carey's production, to be perfectly honest. Uh, if I mean, as a, as a nearly a first-round pick, he should be really, really good. And he's just not. Uh, Blackman played well yesterday. Uh, Grover Stewart had a sack, or I'm sorry, a half a sack uh, yesterday and looked good against the run. DeForest Buckner had two sacks yesterday, looked good. Uh, Houston had a half sack. Ture got his first sack of the year. That was nice. The Colts overall, eight, sa- uh, not eight, sorry, six sacks on the day. Um, looked like they were going to eventually just kind of take over, but they just, there were so many times where they were getting stuffed on their pass rush 
that it just, you know, it, it kind of would go away. You'd see the momentum, you'd get some, uh, some pressure, you'd force Glennon to step up. Well, eventually he started having to step up, and you could see some of his throws became errant. Uh, they hit him 11 times yesterday. Uh, Philip Rivers was only hit once all day long yesterday, and that's pretty damn good, especially with a uh, Jared Valdir at left tackle, at left tackle, brand new to the Colts scheme uh, system. I mean, I don't know if there's any familiarity with him and anybody else on this defensive co- or on the Colts offensive coaching staff, but he, I mean, he came in for what the Packers last year re-retired and now he's back again this year had a a a big penalty took four points off the board on a Jonathan Taylor uh, touchdown but overall pretty good job the Colts did allow some pressure at times but I mean man this guy's only been with the Colts for a week not even a week and so you have to love what you saw from the Colts offensive line yesterday I mean just a a far cry from seeing, you know, whether you look at Raven Clark, uh, uh, any of the other guys who have filled in, you know, for the most part. Um, it'll be good to get a couple guys back next week, you know, for, uh, for the playoffs. But, man, this was, this was a game where you're watching it. The Colts have it well in hand, 20-7 to seven at halftime, and you just think, okay, this is not a game like last week. This is not a team that the Colts are going to lay down on, and they did. Um, they allowed, you know, a couple guys to really have decent games. And if you look at it, Mike Glennon didn't have a pick yesterday. He did get sacked six times, but, you know, still was 26 of 42, uh, for 261 yards. Not impressive by any means, but they still should have shut him down. Conley had a big game for the Jags. Uh, LaVisca Chenault was pretty good yesterday, had two touchdowns as well, um, but they're just, you know, they've got some pieces uh, with that, with Cole and Godwin. I think they've really got a nice little receiving core. Um, and, and the older they get, well, with Conley, he's, he's you know, uh, a wily veteran, so to speak. But some of these younger guys on this uh, Jags team, they're going to be pretty impressive as it comes down to it. So overall, uh, a pretty good, a pretty good game from several people. It's just crazy to see how how that game can be, you know, put back into this pile with crappy second half games. Um, it just happens. And it happened again today. You know, uh, the Colts started the game two of three on third down. And the Colts ended the game three of 10. That is pathetic. That's pathetic. That is not okay. That is, not, I mean, that is not what you want. Uh, the Colts have been solid on third down all year. Not great. Not in the top ten of the league. Not. I don't even think they're in the top half, but they're right there around the middle of the pack. And today, you let a very young, very inexperienced, and not good defense hold you to three of ten on third down. Uh, you can't. You just simply cannot have that. Colts were two of four in the red zone. Colts had one penalty all day, and that was the Veldier face mask. That's impressive. That's much better when you look at what the Colts have done penalty-wise uh, recently. Um, Rivers did throw a pick. There were a couple of plays where you know he looked like he was very uh, shook almost, you know, from some of the pressure that was coming to him or just whatever. Uh, but all in all, 
you know, you, you like the fact that he didn't get sacked. You like the fact that obviously Jonathan Taylor blew up. And to be perfectly honest with you, if Jonathan, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the game that he had yesterday, uh, I, I really don't think that the Colts win this game. Um, I, I just don't think it's – and I'll be honest with you. I don't even know if it's close because even 14 points total from the Jaguars could have possibly – been kind of the end game. I mean, Taylor just starts the game just kicking ass, ends the game kicking ass, and kicks ass all in between those book those book. I mean, it just did it from start to finish of the game. The passing game was not great. It was not overly accurate. Um, the Colts didn't have a lot of space to, uh, on the, in the receiving game. The protection was really good, but you could tell how long Philip Rivers was having to hold the ball. That's not a good sign. That I mean, you you love that the protection's there. At the same time, you see how long he's holding the ball. That tells you guys aren't open, or at least they're not open yet, and that's a problem. You need to get open quick, especially when you're playing a pretty crappy defense. Because I got news for you: the Buffalo Bills are not a crappy defense. So, um, gonna go through a little bit of what happened yesterday. Uh, a little more in depth uh, through the possessions after this, but uh, we've got a lot to look forward to for the Colts. Hopefully, the Colts can do something here in this playoff. This would be a major upset if the Colts can go on and beat the Buffalo Bills in their own house, especially the way that they've been playing this year with their defense and Josh Allen. They've been electric, and they do not have any second half issues with scoring. Okay, and the Colts definitely do. So this game is not going to be decided in the first half. It will, uh, at least we hope it's not, because if it is, it ain't because the Colts are whooping their ass. It's because the Buffalo is just pounding the Colts. And that means Phil Rivers has to throw the ball a lot. That's not a recipe for success for this Indianapolis Colts roster. So um, let's hope that uh, the Colts get a lot of things pulled together in this week, and uh and we'll talk a little bit more after the break about what the Colts did against the Jacksonville Jaguars to get themselves into the postseason with an 11-5 and record and uh, are now set up to play the Buffalo Bills in the wildcard round. So we'll be right back after this. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. 
In the VergeCast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the VergeCast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, folks, we're back. Um, going to take a little look at what the Colts did through possessions uh, yesterday. As I mentioned uh, Taylor got a great start off the jump. 72 rushing yards on just three carries on the opening drive. Just dominated. Just absolutely dominated. Um, and I was wrong earlier. I said something about the second possession for the Colts with Hilton getting that touchdown. But Hilton got his touchdown. Got involved right away with a touchdown on the opening drive. You love that. Taylor, I mean, 11 on his first run, 56 on his second uh, I was surprised that he was caught behind, from behind, to be perfectly honest with you. He did look a little slow, slower than what you see his explosive nature um, on that run. I don't know if he was just, you know, when you're looking at someone that's chasing you, I guess it's it can be difficult to maintain your speed. Uh, but the Colts were into the red zone right away. Uh, Rivers hit Hilton on a third and five from the six, and the Colts go up seven to nothing. Colts got a stop on third down. T.J. Carey had a pass breakup. Kind of got away with a penalty on that one, but did what he had to do, and the Colts got away with it, which was nice. I mean, it was nice to see four total penalties in that game yesterday. That was a that was a really good part of the game. I appreciate that from the referees. It wasn't a crap game. It wasn't like we're sitting there screaming about penalties not being called, and I don't think really that Jack's uh, fans were either throughout this game. Um Second, uh, the second possession for the Colts, Taylor pops off another big run of 20 yards. Brissett gets the third down conversion with a sneak. Uh, Hines gets into the action with a 20-yard run. Taylor's touchdown negated by that Valdir face mask. Uh, the Colts go third and goal, incomplete to Hines. Miles Jack has a pass breakup on that one. Field goal from Blankenship was good. And with 116 in the first left, the Colts go up 10 to nothing. Glennon converts a third and uh, third down to Eifert on the Jags' next possession. Then they go to third and six, and Glennon is sacked by Darius Leonard. TJ Carey recovers uh, the fumble. Colts take over at the Jags 15. Taylor ends this quick, quick, gets a 13-yard run uh, down to the one-yard line. Then Taylor finishes it off with a touchdown. When Just like that, with 11.40 to go in the second, the Colts are smashing their ass, 17 nothing. Following possession by – and this was the thing for the first half. Uh, Glennon sacked, Glennon sacked, Glennon sacked, Glennon incomplete on third down. The Colts were doing really well on third down defensively. And on this one, Glennon got sacked by Butner. The stunt by Leonard forced the pressure on this one, which was kind of interesting. You can see – uh, Leonard coming around and gets right into Glennon's vision and Glennon steps up, tries to get away from Leonard and steps right into Buckner. And that was nice because it gets the Colts off of the field defensively. Um, Colts went three and out on their next possession. Uh, the uh, Colts hold on third down on the Jags next possession. They go for it on fourth and two and it's an incomplete pass. So the Colts take over at midfield uh, with 621 to go in the second. The Colts look like, you know, they could do something here and put another touchdown up on the board. 
but the Colts failed on this third down attempt again. This was really kind of the start of the Colts' downward swing on third down this early in the game. I mean, with you know virtually um, seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, the Colts got a DPI on Wingard uh, on Hilton. Hilton would have been a touch. I mean, it'd been a touchdown for sure. Actually, it probably been underthrown because um, Hilton was held bad, had to turn around, and still the ball only missed him. You know, was over his head maybe a yard or two. But if Hilton's in stride on that, that ball's underthrown bad. Um, that put the ball on the twenty-five. Rivers hit Pittman for fifteen on a second and thirteen. Colts failed on their third down attempt. Uh, field goal from Blankenship was good. Less than three minutes to go in the half. Jags put this is the and this is the other thing. So this is the defense we see in the second half. Jags moving the ball inside of the two-minute warning. Glennon hit Godwin. They get down to the ten-yard line. Glennon hit Chenault for a nine-yard touchdown. I mean, it was super quick. It looked efficient, and this is where the Colts' downward swing started. Colts are up twenty to seven. Taylor. Uh, gets a call. Looked like the Colts might have a chance to get Blankenship inside of his field goal range, but he was short on a 56-yard attempt uh, on target, just short. And it looked they I didn't see a second angle on the field goal, but it looked uh, significantly short, and it looked like he hit it pretty square. So I'm so talking about Blankenship a lot. Of, I like him as the kicker. We heard a lot about what a big leg he's got. Uh, in in the preseason, and we've yet to see that. Fifty six yards is a lot of a lot of, a lot of leg. Don't get me wrong, uh, especially for those of us that can't cook kick uh, a a fifteen yard field goal, uh, like me. But here's the thing: Th- this guy is, you know, touted as having a big leg, being accurate, and so far he's been pretty accurate. Love, I I actually really like him. I was a little skeptical about him at the beginning of the year. He's gonna have to get stronger. Because 56 yards is a necessity in the NFL. I mean, you've got to be able to kick 50-plus in the NFL if you're going to stay on a team. And he, he, I just don't think he's got the leg to do it consistently. Or maybe he doesn't have the leg to do it at all right now. But like I said, he's got to keep working in the weight room and, and get those legs stronger and get that, that snap uh, better because he, he, he needs to be able to kick 56 you know, I mean, 60 should be something that you're like, oh, I don't know if he's got the leg for this, but that's pretty common uh, throughout the NFL. 60 during the game is not exactly something that you just, you know, oh, 60 yards is no no big deal. 56, though, I mean, I know it, it's only four yards, but man, 56, that happens all the time. And 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 the, he's got to be one of those guys to do that all the time. Um, So the Colts take 27 lead into the half. Uh, the Colts come out in the second half. Uh, with Taylor just, you know, just taking names, man. Uh, big 29-yard run uh, puts the Colts on the Jags' uh, side of the field. Brissett stays on the field here after a second and 11. Taylor got six on second and 11, and Brissett was on the field. I don't really understand why he was there on that one to begin with. It just didn't seem to – I don't know. I just didn't see the point in it at all. But Brissett stayed on the field. The read option went nowhere. Got like two yards, I think, on third down. And this is what I was getting at earlier. This is a dumb decision when you're up only two scores by Frank Wright. And then, not only that, but you stall and you miss a field goal because Blankenship hits the upright on his attempt. And then, right there, that's when the air goes out of your own team. You have a stupid play 
called by the coach, trying to be cute, trying to think he's the smartest guy in the room. Then you have the uh, Blankenship missed field goal, and that's just a, a, a chance encounter. That's just a chance issue. That doesn't happen all the time. So Blankenship hits it. Then you have the team. I mean, you could tell them the the energy, the momentum was gone, and you were not hearing cheers from the crowd. You didn't hear anything from the crowd. You'd have guessed that that stadium was empty. Uh, next possession for the Jags, though. Glennon sacked again by Buckner, this time on first down. The Colts allowed a third and 14 conversion with shitty tackling. Uh, the Jags converted another third down and eight to Keelan Cole on this possession. And this is, I wrote this in the notes right here. Colts are showing those awful second half tendencies, coaching staff primarily. You can see when you've got an eight yard cushion on guys that you've been locking down the entire game, you're giving them free reign. You're saying to that quarterback, you can't hit an open receiver inside of eight yards. That's what you're saying. Because, but he can't. Anybody who throws a football in the NFL can do that. Anybody. Anybody. And the Colts are ultimately giving them that. And they're going to take it. You know why? Because they know that they suck. The Jags know they suck. Of course they do. They're going to take everything you give them. While the Colts are doing that, saying, okay, we're going to let them make a mistake, the Jags are saying, okay, I'm not going to make a mistake throwing it inside of eight yards to uh, a pretty solid set of receivers. That's a problem. Uh, Colts end up uh, only being up 20 to 14 after this, and this is uh, over halfway through the third quarter. And uh, just more notes on taking the air out of the, the game and, and everything else. Uh, Glennon on the next possession, the Colts nearly got some of that momentum back. Uh, Leonard tipped the ball, almost intercepted it. It bounced behind him, kept going, and Blackman nearly got it after that. Um, Blackman had a good coverage snap on the following play. Um, Reich chain, uh, excuse me, challenged uh, a third down call that was initially ruled as a catch. Uh, the call was overturned, and the Jags had to punt. Um, and then I kind of wrote on here that the Colts had to get the energy back on this drive because it just seemed like it was just too long, too quiet, that the team had no energy. They didn't have any of that push that you wanted to see on either side of the ball. Uh, you got a nice connection from Rivers to Pascal for a solid gain. Uh, again, the protection was there and had been the whole game. Then they do a little shovel pass for, to Pascal. He gets about 16 yards, nice yak running through the trash. Then Rivers gets picked off deep. Uh, by Wingard at the goal line, uh, taking another deep shot to Hilton. And I I was okay with that. I'd much rather see that any day than see a two-yard run on third and five from Brissett. Am I wrong with that? I mean, that's okay by me. I'm not pissed at Rivers for, for that. That was a YOLO throw, but it was deep. And it, it just, I mean, it was a ch- it was a shot. You're taking a shot to just completely get yourself back in this game. Um, that to me, that really wasn't a big deal. It, it just wasn't. And I'd much rather them take over the ball at like whatever the, the inside of their 15 yard line, than giving them the ball any other way to be perfectly or missing a field goal, anything like that. Um, so the Colts, uh, go on to defense now and, and the Jags convert a third and three to Connolly. Um, Justin Houston gets his sack here of Glennon, uh, Conley dropped a pass from Glennon on second 17. That would have been about a, about a 15 yard gain. And, um, 
And then Glennon throws behind Keelan Cole, and the Jags had to punt again. So the Jags right now are being given every opportunity, and they're getting lucky because you've got drops here from the Jags, a couple of them that would have kind of kept the bleeding going uh, for the Colts' defense uh, on, on this. And then now in the fourth quarter, the Colts get the ball back, had to punt again. Um, screen to Doyle on second and ten. Picked up only two, and uh, Rivers threw incomplete on third and eight to Hilton. Um, you, you see more patience on this drive from Taylor, waiting for a block to come out, which was Doyle, and kind of kick out the off or the defensive lineman there for the Jags, and ends up being a nine-yard run. Whereas he'd have been stopped at the line of scrimmage if he just kept going, tried to barrel through this defender. That's a one, maybe two-yard gain. Nine yards out of that because to, and this is I just can't pre- say it enough about his patience and his ability uh, to see holes develop and, and knows what it is and I think he's done a, uh, an absolutely amazing job and the Colts really really needed him to do this so he he's done he's doing such a good job right now it's so impressive. Um, Jags get the ball back. Glennon gets twenty one on a, a shot to Chenault. Ogumba Wally, the running back. God, what a name to write. Uh, picks up nine on his Grover Stewart stuffed Ogumbawali, uh on, on his next run. Um, Glennon converts a third and one with a uh, with a sneak. Leonard bats down a pass on second down. Then Komoko Ture gets his first sack of the year on third and ten. Perfect timing. He looked fast yesterday. He looked uh, explosive. You like seeing that from him off the line. Uh, Colts get a nice return out of Hines out to about the thirty yard line. On the the next punt, um, Rivers hits Pittman uh, for a first down, gets a, a flag on Wilson uh, for head-to-head, or helmet-to-helmet, excuse me, um, and that helped the Colts push the ball a little further. But ultimately, on third and 11, um, Phillip has to step up and, and is targeting Taylor. It was a drop, but it wasn't going anywhere anyways. Uh, it was a little low. But it should have been caught. But still, like I said, that's a, I mean, on a third and 11, that was a two-yard gain, you know, and the Colts had to punt. You know why? Because their receivers were covered. Good coverage or good coverage and good protection. But when when all you can do is throw to a running back out of the backfield who's got somebody right in his hip pocket, you know, that that's just that's just poor situational football. It really is. Um the Colts get off the field on third down on the next uh, possession by the Jaguars. The Colts finally get a touchdown. Uh, Hines' return sets up the Colts at the 50, and then Taylor just shook Schobert in the hole, and it was a 45-yard uh, touchdown run for Taylor. God, damn, I just loved that play. You know, It reminded me of Marlon Mack in the preseason in his rookie year and it was just like, whoa, this guy's going to be special. And he wasn't in his rookie year, but he's he's grown. So that was what that reminded me of. In the hole, shook him with uh, a few feet on both sides of him, and that's it. Then Rivers hits Hilton for a two-point conversion. Colts go up 28-14 with three and a half to go in the game. Um, and ultimately, that's, that's just the end uh, of the ball game. Uh, you end up getting that final drive on a third and two. Taylor converts purely with power. Uh, he was hit at the line of scrimmage and ends up getting about four yards out of it, and that's it. So, Colts, you can see what a long drought they had uh, just with 
I feel like it was a combination of bad play calling. Yes, there's always an element to um, being able to put plays together, to be able to execute on all phases of an offense. But I got to be honest with you here. It just didn't feel like I could put a lot of what happened on the players uh, yesterday. Um, I, I was just sickened, honestly, by the lack of aggression from the Colts defense. I was even more sickened by the lack of what felt like a smart play calling by Frank Reich yesterday and untimely stupidity. Um, they've got to get it together. I think, I think that I know that they can, and I think Frank Reich is an excellent coach. I, I see so many people just going the other end of the spectrum here and just saying he's worthless. He's a shit coach. He's not a shit coach. He's a good coach. He's struggling right now with his own brain, trying to be smart and trying to get that little get over that little hump that teams present him throughout a game but he's not doing it the right way a because he's got Jacoby Brissett in there doing it and b because the play is a bad play you've got a small window of opportunity with what Jacoby Brissett can do and the fact of the matter is he is not good throwing the ball so you can throw screens with him but that's ultimately an extension of the running game you can run the ball with him or to the running back. But then again, you've got the defense, no matter who it is, that knows that's going to run. That the that the offense is going to run. You know that if he does throw the ball, your defense is solid enough to be able to win in one-on-one opportunities. And that's a risk that any defensive coordinator, that any opposing head coach is going to take. Give me Jacoby Brissett on the field for any team the Colts play. Holy cow. Are you kidding me? Give me that. I want that. A lot. I can only imagine what other teams want when they look at Jacoby Reset on the field, and it's not a third in inches. So uh, the good the good was there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I saw that he uh, had the uh, most yardage by a, a rookie running back this year, which makes sense, of course which is great. That's a huge pillar for him to step off of next year and just continue to try and climb that ladder because if he can build on what he's done this year, next season, man, he's going to be impressive. And the Colts will have a legit two-headed monster in the backfield with the nice little wrinkle that Hines brings. And Hines can be effective, and he'll be even more effective with two studs in front of him, be perfectly honest with you. So uh, I love what uh, what Taylor's done for the Colts in the backfield. Uh, 30 carries yesterday, though. That's a lot. That's a lot for any running back, especially a rookie. Um, so you hope that, you know, he's not tired the, uh, this coming week because he's going to have a much, much, much better defense up up against him than he saw this past week when he just rolled for 200, well over 200 yards. So, um the Colts are in, though, guys. That's all that's got to happen. If Colts can get everything squared away and get it right, they're in good shape. But you know you know the saying, get in and then do what you got to do. The Colts are in right now. It's time to throw all the bullshit tendencies away, Frank Reich. It's time to put your best, very best game plan ahead and try to win a playoff game because that's ultimately what is needed and is necessary. Uh, the Colts simply have no choice but to 
just leave it all on the field now. And that includes the coaching staff. They've got to do it. They've got to get it all to put together. So we'll see what they can do. We're definitely going to have more podcasts. I think we're going to have Kevin Massari on this week um, who covers the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to see what he's got to say uh, about what he thinks this matchup can bring, uh, not only for the Buffalo Bills, but what kind of they're looking at uh, on both sides of the ball and the good and the bad from the Colts uh, in terms of their own team's weaknesses. So uh, we're going to have a good uh, good week of shows this week uh, preparing for the wild card round of the playoffs. So thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast.